So, we are going to start um, pretty much the first chapter in the book of Revelation. And, you know, we're going to go through it kind of slow. But, you know, when you get a revelation about something or uh, something comes alive, and then it seems like everywhere you look or everything you're hearing is all pointing to the same thing. All right? So I'm... I'm particularly addressing the book of Revelation, and um, particularly or specifically addressing end times, okay? Good morning, leave the media. I don't know why that's it, though. Yeah, I'm going to say I spoke that way. I know. Okay, or um, the last days, okay? And it just seems like I find myself saying, Lord, is this it? Is, is this the last days? You know, are, are you coming back? Are things, you know, that bad? And um, because of what I hear all the time. There's so many prophets out there and prophecies out there and, you know, to be honest with you, I've been hearing this kind of language. I'm a lot older than most of you, except for my mother. But my mother has been hearing it as long as I've been hearing it because she was only saved one more year, one year prior to me. So for the longest time, you know, we were in the same lane, same church, and we heard the same things. And we always heard this was the last days. We're in the last days because of different things that were going on and different things that were happening. And uh, and now, you know, it's no different. The only thing is now with the internet, now with Facebook, now with um, X, which used used to be uh, Twitter, and and now Instagram, and now you, and now you know. I mean, if something. If, if a bird falls out of a tree in Southern California, we know about it, you know? And it, it's like, are things happening more than they used to? Or is it just things are happening? Were there typhoons? Were there hurricanes? Were there mudslides in California? You know, is what's happening in California, is, is it a sign of, of the times? Or is it a sign that, that is simply suggesting stop building your homes on hillsides where you know it's, it rains and there are mudslides, you know? When me and my wife would go and visit my son, Stephen, in San Diego, Southern, you know, Southern California, we were there at rainy season, and it was amazing the way the rain was coming down, you know, from the mountains. I mean, there were no trees. It was just, it was just dirt and mud, how it was causing, wrecking havoc on the on the roadways, and we were looking up, and we'd like, who would build a house like that? Who would build a house there? You know, it's just like um, uh, Louisiana, uh, where, where they had um, the major flooding and whatnot. Um, I forget the exact name of the town, but you, you know what I'm talking about. It, it happens New Orleans? quite where? New Orleans? Was it Savannah, New Orleans? Katrina? Who? 
New Orleans where they had the Hurricane Katrina? Well, not well, not only the hurricane, but but massive flooding because of the rises of the ocean. And the major city there where this takes place is built below sea level. I mean, you know, you got to expect that these natural phenomenons have happened and they're going to continue to happen. And if you're going to continue to live in areas where these natural natural phenomenons occur, the same things are always going to happen. And, you know, it could be getting worse or it could look like it's getting worse. Why? Because the number of people who are building and who are living there seem to be increasing. They seem to be building and 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 constructing large edifices in the same areas, you know? And and you know, wars and rumors and wars. I, I don't think that there has been anything that has um that has mirrored uh uh Nakasaki and uh Hiroshima. Hiroshima, I think I'm saying right, Hiroshima and Nakasaki, where the where the atomic bombs were dropped were dropped and and how, you know, the whole world was pretty much brought into, you know, World War, partly World War One and World War Two, And there's always, I mean, so it's like, I really don't believe we're in the last days, but there's so much talk about it. And it's like, really, is it, Lord? And is sin that much, is, is sin really that rampant? I mean, I, I go shopping, you know, we've gone to BJ's, we've gone to Walmart, we've gone to the malls. Right, we we just came back from Newark Airport with all kinds of people. Um, we we just we we you know last year we went to the beach. We found ourselves the the beach was so crowded. You know, you 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 had to be careful, or you just constantly walking. That's how many. That's how many walking into people. That's how many people. And you know what? It didn't seem to me. Lori, did it seem to you? It didn't seem to me like every other person was gay or lesbian. It didn't seem that way. It seemed like they were the minority. It's the minority. And when you look at the actual statistics, it is an overwhelmingly minority of people that are involved in that lifestyle. It doesn't seem to me like like America is like Sodom and Gomorrah, where Sodom and Gomorrah you know, the only righteous person there was Lot, you know, and and that was it. And the rest of the city, they they all came to, to Lot, you know, where he had his visitors, and they asked for Lot to give the visitors so they could sleep with the visitors, you know what I'm saying? That was the whole that was the whole darn place. You know, and in the days of Noah, the only righteous person that God found was Noah. So, I mean, I know there's at least one righteous person in America. I, I think there, two. Okay, there's two. There's a second one. There's a third one. There's a fourth one. There's a. I know there's a lot of us in in America. And like I said, I they're been, they're in the minority. It just seems like they're in the majority because it just so happens that minor that minority controls certain key elements. You know, bank the banking business. Uh, you know. Um, Hollywood, um, the news media, but it's not really a reality that it's the whole entire country. And now you think about it. I talk. I'm gonna use my son as an example. I like. I, I tell my son, "Hey, you know what's going on? You you know what's you know what's uh, ahead? You know you you're, you're ready to vote. You you're ready to vote. You're ready to you know go to the polls. Whatever." 
And you know what he says? He says, you know, it's not affecting me here where I live. So it's like it's non-existent. And for the most part, that is the feeling and understanding of Republican conservatives. For the most part, it's not affecting me. So we stay home, you know? And it's, it's a known fact that for the most part, they really haven't hit the voting booths the way, the way they should hit the voting booths or the way they could hit the voting booths. Do you really think if people that call themselves by the name of Jesus Christ, that believed in Jesus Christ, that were Christians, that were moralists, that, that, that were traditional moral families, that you think if they all went out and voted, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be owning this country right now and we wouldn't be in this situation? So is it really, you know, this is a sign of the last days or is it just a, uh, a period in time where now the moral majority, which I believe it is, is starting to wake up and, 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 and getting involved and doing, and doing things. So this is, the, this is where, I, conundry, is that the word conundry? Where I find myself. Is it the last days or is it not? Is it the last days or is it not? And so, but now when I hear what I hear from the scriptures, when last days are mentioned, I'm like, whoa, maybe we're not in the last days. Because how many of us, when we read the Bible, do we read the Bible and we try to find out what it's saying that is significant for us? Am I right or wrong? Come on, Abby, let me know, right? We're trying to find out what's significant for us. What is relevant for us? How many times do we really go into the Word of God and ask ourselves, what was being said and why was it significant to them? What was the significance for them? When they heard what they heard, did they understand it was for them or did they poo-poo it off and believe it was for some far-off land, far-off far off, far off people in another time? You have to say to yourself that when they heard what they heard, they knew what they were listening to was for them. Do you think that makes sense? Right? So, and I was listening to Andrew Womack on um, Saturday. And he wasn't, he, he was addressing another issue. But he said something that like, whoo, the light went off. It, it just, it sparked something in me. And he was preaching from, uh, and this is all related to end times, Okay. You're going to see. He said he was talking from 2 Timothy, and I hope you got your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, where he says this, This know you also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. So, Paul is warning Timothy. Paul is warning Timothy. 
and his church, his, his people, his group, his flock, he's warning them that in the last days, perilous time shall come. Now, I believe, all right, that those last days that they were being warned of were right around the corner and they took place in, in AD 70. I believe that's what the warnings were from. But now, but after he's, he, he talked about that, this is where, like, whoa. This just this, this, this makes too much sense to me. From there, he went to Acts. Acts chapter 2. Now, you remember Acts chapter 2, okay? This was when the Holy Spirit was released. This is when the Holy Spirit took residence in believers. This is when the Spirit was given in greatness. This is when, you remember, remember tongues of, of fire, flames of fire and wind, you know? This is when people started becoming born again. This is when the Spirit was causing people to give utterances in other languages. You, you all know this, right? Now, basically, this is where we believe the covenant of grace was now being ushered in. Okay? Now, whether you're a preterist or whether, whether you're a futurist or whether you're an idealist or whatever, most people, theologians, professors, pre would all say that this was the, 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 the true beginning of the movement, movement of the gospel of grace, where man could be born again of the spirit, right? Become a new creation and usher in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody knows that to be true. But now listen, so listen to what Peter says in verse 17, because the spirit comes, Right? People are filled with the Spirit. They're receiving Jesus Christ, that born-again experience. They're becoming new creations. The Spirit is giving them utterance. The Spirit is ministering to them. They're speaking in, 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 in heavenly languages or in other earthly languages that they don't know. And it's being heard. And people are like, what is going on here? What is going on here? You know, are these people drunk? Hey, have you ever heard somebody speaking in tongues? And if you didn't know what it was, you'd probably say the same thing. What in the world is going on? Are they drunk? That happened this past Sunday in church or two Sundays ago. Someone that was singing up front started singing in church. And we had a new, a new, a pretty new believer there. And she was like, What what was going on there? I mean, I I, I know a little bit of Spanish. I didn't know, was she trying to sing it in Spanish or what was going on? It didn't make any sense to me. I, I didn't understand it at all. She could have been say, saying also, was she was she drunk? That's what they were saying, right? But what does Peter say? Remember, grace is ushered in now. So Peter says, and it shall come to pass in the last days. So for Peter, what was happening then was the last days of days. 
And it came to pass on the last of days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prosper. So he was talking about these days and the last of days in the same sentence. Is that making sense, mother? Yes. Yeah, okay. So now when you go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8, the Bible makes sense if you let it. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, and he saith the new covenant, the new covenant, the new covenant, right? That day of Pentecost, it ushered in the last of days. He has made the first one old. Now that which is decayeth, right? It's decaying because it's the last of days. It's the last of that age. And waxest old is ready to vanish away. And we know that in AD 70, with the fall of Jerusalem, the temple where, where the high priest would go in and put blood on the altar, animal sacrifices, all that, the complete system came to an end. It was over. There was no more priests. There was no more priestly records. There was no more temple. Okay? There was no more sacrifices. There was no more lineage. It was as if the, 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 you know, um, the law was completely renewed, removed. And the thing you also have to understand about that also when you go to Mark chapter 13, and as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said unto him, Master, see what, how beautiful these stones are and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to them, you see these great buildings? There will not be left one upon the other. Thou shalt not be thrown down. And then... As they sat upon the Mount of Olives against the temple, against the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, Lord, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things be fulfilled? Now, depending upon, depending upon the translation, ooh, I think we got time, guys. I'm sorry, you know. Oh, well, so you know we what? We don't have to worry. We don't have to debate. You can say whatever you want. We know. Yeah. Going. Yeah. We're not going to see any of that stuff. I, I agree. I agree. I'm not going to see any of that stuff. And if there is, I'm going. Because I couldn't be any more righteous or holy or right, sanctified. Because we're Jesus. Wow. Where did you learn that? I hope it wasn't just Joseph Prince. I hope you picked up some of this stuff from me. I, 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 I started with you, Leonard. Okay, good. And then she went to Joseph Prince. Yes. 
Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to let you know. My mother, she's going she's gonna to admit this. She couldn't stand Joseph Prince. She didn't, like know, the way, she didn't like the way he looked, and she didn't like the way he talked, you know? But now, I don't know. I think she might, like jo she might like Joseph Prince a little bit more than she likes me. I don't know, but that's okay, because no, jo yes, no, Joey's okay. Joey's okay. I like Joey. JP. JP. He listens to me. He follows me. He follows me on YouTube, and he uses my stuff. I told him it was okay. All right. So now let's go to the book of Revelation. And just spend a few moments in an opening openings of it because the openings are pretty good. Now look at my notes. Nope, I didn't get notes out, so you're gonna have to take notes down. Listen to this again. You could when it's on um, when it's on Zoom, record or um, on a podcast. You could fast forward to certain points. You don't have to listen to everything all over again. But Revelation chapter one. That's Colossians. I don't want Colossians. I want Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm reading from the translation that Jesus carried. King James Version. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. To show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. I find that really interesting, don't you? Yeah. A revelation of Jesus Christ Think about Mark chapter 16. Okay? Mark chapter 16. A revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. I don't say anything unless I first hear my father saying it. I don't do anything unless I first see my father doing it. So this is saying a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which, which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all the things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and who keep those things which are written in it. Uh, for the time is at hand. For the time is near. Now, look at that phrase, must shortly take place, the time is near. So, you have to remember um, several sessions ago, it's in your notes, the different ways to interpret it. The futurist, the preterist, the historicist, the idealist. And they'll all look at this portion of scripture, you know, differently. The early day preterist, it, he's most comfortable with the statements that it was about near fulfillment to be taken at face value. This approach views 
the book as written shortly before AD 70 and predicting the fall of Jerusalem, which occurred in that year. So that's, that's one view. That's, that's the predator's view on this, on this must shortly take place and the time is near. Um, the later day preterists, because there's two groups of preterists, would apply the fulfillment to the fall of Rome centuries after John's time or possibly to the downfall of Domitian. So they don't necessarily adhere to or believe in it being referenced to the fall of Jerusalem, but to the fall of, how do you say that, Domitian, the Domitian rule in Rome, which brought an end to the Christian martyrdom by the Romans. So that's the futurists. And the reason why they would consider themselves futurists is because they don't believe that John's gospel was written before AD 70. So if you don't believe John's gospel was written before AD 70, you can't believe that John was talking about the fall of Jerusalem. So because that group of theologians and professors um believe that it was written, John's gospel was written more more in like AD 90 or, or beyond, they believe it was the fall of the Domitian rule in, of Rome. So that's the, that's the, that's the other view. Um, I don't know if you guys know Brian Simmons, who Brian Simmons is, but he is, um, the writer, author of the Passion Translation. And, um, and I didn't get to the point where I started really thinking about this till I went to hear him once and um, give, give a, a, a presentation. And he was speaking about the Bride of Christ and he was speaking from Revelation and he gave some history about Re the book of Revelation. And when he was given his history, he made reference to the fact that it was written prior to AD 70. And I'm like, it's the first time I really heard that. First time I heard that. And so that's what kind of spurred me on and turned me on to looking more into AD 70. And since then, I have other um, doctrinal works and, and um, scholarly works on, on the true datings of the books of the New Testament. And I'm led to believe... Uh, that it's prior to AD 70. But that's where those two schools of thought come. And then you have the historicist view. Remember, that's the third view. They see the fulfillment as beginning shortly after John's time, but extending long beyond through the entire age of the church. In other words, the book of Revelation is a constant, you know, warning, victory, warning, you know, troubled times, victory, because the church age seems to go through that, you know, through various stages. And I guess it makes sense to the historicists because you can look back in church history, you know, and see different periods of time, you know, where the church was under great persecution and then, you know, all of a sudden found itself in um What's the word I'm looking for? Escape or victory, victory. or victory, you know, freedom or whatever. And then, of course, you have the idealist. 
And um, he interprets it as the time is always near. Since the visions transcend any particular time period and may, in principle, recur or continue unceasingly, unceasingly throughout time, um, the happenings of the book for the period of time that the individual reader finds himself in, shortly take place could mean shortly take place. That means for us, it could mean shortly take place. That's the different views. That's where they get the different views from. All right. Blessed is he that readeth it and that hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Now, verse three, he ends with, now blessed are you who you're reading this and you're hearing this and you're keeping these words to heart because the time is at hand. All right. Again, you could just picture what you think the four different views would feel about what's being said there. And uh, so now you look at verses uh, four through six. And it says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love what he has to say in verse six. Because Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter five, verse 17, where he said, those of us who receive uh, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will rule and reign as kings through the one Jesus Christ. Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter, where he said, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You know, wait, we are a, how does it go, Lord? For we are a chosen generation, a royal people, a special Peter people. Said. Well, Peter says the same thing, all right? Priestly and royal. And here, John, the witness of three, confirms it, the same thing, all right? Kings and priests. Kings and priests. Righteous and holy. That's the message of the new covenant of grace. And, and we've been made that way by God and unto God. So he's talking now, he's going to go into detail about the warning, the warnings and um, about what's going to be taking place. And he's addressing the seven spirits, you know, from the seven churches. Now, a lot of people think um, and believe that this is not a, a warning to, like, New Life Church, all the people in the church, okay? Um, but this is a warning to the angel of that church, to the spirit of that church, whatever. And, and that word in, in, the, in the Greek is uh, angelos or messenger or minister. And it's it's being addressed to the pastors or you know the priests of that of that church. And the reason why there are seven 
It's not because there were only seven churches there. Um, but if you look at the, the churches, the way they're, they're labeled, and the next time we get together, we're going to be going through the churches. They're labeled in the same exact way or route that the Apostle Paul visited them with his missionary trips. They're, they just they just appear. It's just like if I'm going to South Carolina, okay, I had to I have to first drive through Harrisburg, then I have to drive through Martinsburg, then I have to drive through Roanoke, then I have to drive through Charlotte, and then I have to get to to to, to Rock Hill, South Carolina. So so it's not necessarily that these churches are certain and specific times, okay? But it's a general message, seven meaning completion. It's a message that's supposed to be a complete message to all churches of that time. But the reason why they were listed was because they were the main seven churches. If you were ever to look at a, a map or a chart of Paul's missionary journeys, the churches that Paul that 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 Paul has started and formed. So we've been doing this for an hour. Tomorrow, uh, next time we get together, we're just going to go straight into the churches and the messages. Today we did a little bit more of background stuff, and I hope that was okay with you, because I believe the more you hear and the more you read and the more you start putting together the gospel account, Acts. The different, you know, the different epistles of Paul and Peter and John. Perhaps you can start yourselves putting together and formulating yourself, you know, your own, you know, opinions. So when you hear me or when you hear someone else, you know what you believe and you know why you believe it. Okay. Merry Christmas.